From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Making a case that buses and trains are especially important during the public health crisis, a Twin Cities-based coalition of business, faith, and environmental leaders says now is the time for robust investments in transit. The coalition, which includes leaders from Move Minnesota, East Metro Strong, Fresh Energy, Isaiah, the St. Paul Chamber of Commerce, and the Sierra Club North Star Chapter, is urging the legislature to include $149 million for transit in a 2020 bonding bill. Move Minnesota's mission includes advocating for investments in walking, bicycling, and transit. In the following interview, Move Minnesota Executive Director Sam Rockwell speaks with reporter Brian Johnson about the benefits of transit investment from a standpoint of job creation and transporting essential workers to their jobs. Thank you for, for joining us um, and, and talking a little bit about your um, uh, the bonding bill and how um, investments in mass transit might fit into that. Um, I wonder if you could introduce yourself first. You're, you're with Move Minnesota, is that right? That's right. Yeah, I'm uh, the executive director of Move Minnesota, and we are a transportation and transit advocacy organization uh, advocating for a just and sustainable transportation system here in the metro area and in Minnesota at large. Okay. Well, I, I looked at the uh, report that you just put out uh, regarding transit's potential for um, in, in kind of making the case for robust investments in, in mass transit in the bonding bill. And um, I thought a couple of things that jumped out at me, I, I think there's some, some pretty compelling data in there and um, sort of make the case of that this makes sense not only from the standpoint of the environment and all the usual things that we talk about, but but also from a standpoint of producing construction jobs. And um, I was wondering if you could kind of touch on that a little bit and, and, and hit some of those high points. Um, um, one thing that stood out to me is that um, transit projects, um, according to your report, produce 70% more job hours and highways. Um, why is that? The main reason that transit produces more job hours than highways is that transit investments in general uh, require substantially less uh, land purchase. So when you're constructing a new highway, you've got to purchase a lot of right-of-way uh, and even a highway expansion. And land eats up dollars without uh, creating any employment. Transit has a very narrow uh, alignment. The route on which a train goes is narrow. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to make that train work. The train's got to be constructed. The track's got to be constructed. Uh, there's all sorts of technology and uh, uh, and uh, just general manufacturing that goes into that. And so it really has to do with how much uh, kind of material are you putting into a small amount of space 
uh, and and that works both in terms of passengers, in terms of how efficient uh, mass transit is, in terms of moving people around, and of course it works in terms of the jobs that it takes to create the system. Okay, and of course job creation is on everyone's mind these days with the COVID-19 induced economic downturn and um, so, and kind of putting it in that context, um, what, what else can you say about why we should um, be making these investments in, in this uh, time that we're living? Um, I, I think one thing that kind of stood out to me in the report was that a, a lot of uh, essential workers, uh, a surprising number of essential workers rely on transit to get to these critical jobs. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, we did a partnership with a national group called Transit Center. Uh, they did a re research project nationally and also locally here in Minnesota, and found that uh, 43 or sorry, 40.3 percent of our transit ridership uh, in ordinary times, in non-pandemic times, are essential workers, uh, or now classified as essential workers, and. You know, that really gets to uh, some of these broader conversations about who are the people that are driving our economy. Uh, and, you know, it's people, we depend on the folks who are working in healthcare and home health aides and grocery store workers. And a lot of these, uh, um, a lot of these positions are positions that, uh, that don't pay as well. A lot of these positions are positions in uh, denser areas where there is transit service and it just happens that uh, that a substantial number of our essential workers rely on transit and make up our transit base. And so when we think about whether or not transit is valuable, whether or not uh, people will return to transit, which has been a conversation in the country, uh, it's important to remember that the people who are using transit and depend on transit are the people that we all depend on. Uh, and even with transit ridership down right now, there's still a lot of people riding transit, right? I mean, even on the local lines in the metro area, uh, there's still about 40,000 people a day that are riding transit. That's with transit ridership down 65%. For mm -hmm. you know, 40,000 rides a day, that's the entire city of Mankato getting on getting on the train and the bus every single day. Mm. What what uh, what do you have in mind in terms of uh, do you have specific dollar amounts in in terms of what you'd like to see in the bonding bill? I know, for example, that the the, um, the governor I believe has recommended uh, fifty five million dollars for bus rapid transit. Um, I, I believe the um, the bonding bill that was recently introduced has a similar amount in there. Um, there's also some money for planning money and and, and things like that. Uh, what, uh, what what do you think would be uh, some some specific investments that uh, sh should be made um, with with the bonding bill? We're strongly advocating for seventy five million, uh, and that's because seventy five as opposed to fifty five uh, would fund three additional bus rapid transit lines. And bus rapid transit is the kind of Bus that travels substantially faster uh, acts more like a like a streetcar or a train has uh, stations and and you pay before you get on and it goes fast through the stoplights and so forth. So, you know, when we think and we talk to people who 
uh, ride transit, not a lot of people get on one line, take the line, and get off, and they're at their job. A lot of people have to transfer. And so the benefits of a network of having more lines uh, are huge. People need that whole network to be able to drop their kids off at daycare, to get to their work, to be able to go to the grocery store, to be able to visit their friends. If we're going to create a transit system that people can rely on, it needs to be a whole system. And so we're really advocating uh, that we build out that system uh, by building all three of the lines that are ready. Those include a line that connects uptown Minneapolis to downtown St. Paul, that connects the Mall of America through Minneapolis up into uh, northern suburbs, and one that connects the city of Edina over to the University of Minnesota campus. And so those all intersect with each other, and they intersect uh, with our train lines, and it starts to create a system that's reliable, that's fast, uh, that actually gets you all over kind of our core uh, metro area. Okay. Well, uh, what kind of conversations have you been having with uh, lawmakers uh, at, at the Capitol regarding these investments? Um, have you been, um, I, I guess, are you, are you optimistic that uh, something might happen? We are optimistic that something might happen. We have been having a lot of good conversations with legislators, both uh, in the core cities and the metro area and elsewhere around the state. And I think a lot of legislators understand uh, the benefits of having a transit network and understand from a climate perspective as well that, uh, that if we are to reduce our transportation emissions, it's going to require a greater reduction in driving in the center cities and the, and the inner ring suburbs uh, because that's where it's possible to do so. And that as a state, we should be supporting that kind of uh, uh, investment to allow uh, and to facilitate that shift in transportation. And we've also been talking to a lot of legislators who know that uh, folks in their districts will be uh, employed, whether in manufacturing or in direct construction, uh, through transportation investment, and in particular through transit investment, we know that there are uh, uh, that there are manufacturing uh, plants for clean uh, electric buses in Crookston and St. Cloud, and a lot of uh, supply chain support for that all around the state. Okay. Well, one thing that's been in the news a little bit is some concerns about safety, and just uh, is, is it safe to ride? on uh, mass transit lines these days, um, both from a COVID-19 perspective and, and just uh, personal safety? Yeah, so from a COVID-19 perspective, I'll start there. From a COVID-19 perspective, uh, you know, I think Metro Transit is appropriately asking folks uh, to, uh, to maintain, uh, you know, to use transit just for essential trips. Uh, it's, of course, important for all of us in any of the spaces we're in uh, to to be able to maintain that uh, that social distance of, of six feet and uh, and so you know I think it is safe uh, to ride Metro Transit under those conditions because Metro Transit's been taking a lot of measures to make sure that uh, that folks can be safe on the buses through their kind of direct interventions and also through their guidance um, but that's not to encourage people to use transit right now. Uh, if they don't need to, uh, that's to say that Metro Transit's been doing a, a, a good job through this global pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
more broadly, you know, the the transit system is uh, is a system where you know it's one of our public spaces, uh, and it is uh, a safe place to be uh, for for most people. There certainly have been some like high pro- profile incidents, and we recognize that. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of work going on to uh, to try to bring a uh, transit ambassador uh, program to the transit system to help bring uh, more eyes and more resources to folks on the on the trains and buses. Uh, and there uh, is, you know, also the benefit of just improving the system and making it more accessible uh, to more people uh, increases that safety because the more eyes on the buses and trains and the broader uh, our community is on those uh, public spaces, uh, the safer they become. Okay. Well, great. Well, uh, are there any other things from the report that you would like to highlight or a- any other thoughts in general before I let you go? You know, I think one last thing is, is the broad-based public support for uh, for transportation investment and, and in particular for transit investment. You know, both mm-hmm. in Minnesota and nationally, uh, it's kind of in the mid to high 70% support for uh, transit improvements and investments. And that is a bipartisan support. Uh, and so I would just underscore the fact that uh, even the really recent uh, polling, as recent as March 2020, uh, shows that, that folks want to see this happen. Uh, because they recognize that high-quality transit is critical to a healthy economy and society, that it provides access to jobs and education and opportunities, and you know it's the kind of transportation that we need uh, in the clean economy of the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, um, well, good luck with your pitch. I know it's uh, kind of uncertain now what's going to happen with bonding at the legislature, but uh, you know I guess we'll. We'll see what happens, and um, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll put some people to work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all in pretty uncertain times, so hopefully we can keep progressing here. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Sam. Uh, I appreciate it. Oh, Bri- yeah, Brian, thanks a million. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.